Welcome to the Limitless Level Podcast. My name is Brendan Kearney, and each week I'll bring to you insights, tips, and strategies on developing your mindset, fitness performance, and your well-being. It is my mission to empower others to step into their potential and own their lives. I believe self-awareness is the key to self-mastery, and when you master yourself, you can master any area of your life. Okay, well, we're back here in my studio slash room, and it is Thursday afternoon. Hope everyone is doing great. On today's show, I have a special guest. Yes, um, what makes this man such a special dude in my eyes is um, he's been quite a mentor of mine personally uh, through my wellness and mindfulness spiritual journey. He's been quite a great impact on many, many other people. He is a yoga instructor who also owns a yoga studio in the city of Brockville in Canada, um, which we both currently reside in. And he's been running the studio for, it's got to be going on almost 20 years now. Uh, 16. 16. So yeah, 16 yeah. years he's been running this studio and uh, he's married. Um, he's a father uh, married to his beautiful wife, Tanya. Uh, he does quite a bit of traveling and exploring other business adventures. And recently um, he has a variety of different certifications, uh, one being the Wim Hof uh, certification, um, which he can explain more about that. But um, I took his yoga program through his studio that he did a, back a couple of years ago with other students, and it was a great experience and a great teaching. And so we're going to uh, turn it over to Dan now. Well, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks, man. I'm uh, happy to be here. Thanks for having me. All right. So we're going to start off with a few quick questions here to get the ball rolling. So, Dan, what are you uh, most grateful for right now? What am I most grateful for right now? Hmm. Okay. Let me think about that. Well, um, I'm grateful that I got up this morning, <laughs> that, that I get another day on the planet. Um, I think uh, you mentioned, I think, in your introduction about uh, self-realization or, you know, consciousness or awareness. And um, I think that's what I've been trying to do, especially through these times being uh, limited to my travel and limited to the courses and uh, having to be kind of pushed into a, a more of an online virtual um, platform to uh, get my, you know, teachings and uh, do what I do across. So I, I'm really trying to be grateful for the simplest of things um, because the world's kind of crazy right now. There's a lot of information coming in. There's a lot of um, technology just seems to be advancing. And uh, I'm really grateful for the fact that I, you know, I have a house, um, a roof over my head. Um, I got food and uh, I got some great friends out there. Uh, we got a great community, as you know, of uh, yoga. It's been going on, like you said, I think we're working on 17 years now. 
16 going on 17. So, you know, I'm, I'm pretty grateful for all those things. Um, and, uh, you know, grateful for the, the path that I kind of chose about, you know, seven, 18 years ago before I went and lived away at an ashram to uh, figure out all kinds of problems that I seem to have been having at the time. And uh, I really, I try to be appreciative and I'm grateful for, you know, waking up today and uh, having another day on the planet. I think that's, uh, I mean, that's a pretty broad thing, but I think it's a pretty, it's a pretty amazing thing when you really truly step back and, uh, and look at it and appreciate it and, and view what, what kind of your life is through consciousness. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a pretty beautiful thing. I'll just finish your question by saying, uh, there's a paper I read, I've read a few of them on the odds of you being born are about one with 20 million zeros behind it. So one in, they don't even know what the number would be. And, you know, like that night, like you're the one that swam through and got to the egg. And even before that, that your great, great, great grandparents looked at each other that night and had that person who then met somebody else who had that person. So... I read that and it kind of had an impact on me because I started to think, well, shit, I, you know, all those other guys that were swimming in there that day probably be going, if you're not going to be liking it and complain, I'll take your spot. So, <laughs> you know, I think the chance, the chances of us of really, you know, being on this planet are pretty much next to like impossible. So I think we really got to embrace that and, and take advantage of the opportunity really. Yes, I can totally resonate with that because I thought about that myself. We are one out of 20, like, infinity number that we can't quantify yeah. that we actually beat all those other <laughs> sperm cells, so to speak, so yeah. we could make it on Earth. Yeah. So to be grateful for that is just the fact that you you beat all those others just imagine with six billion people on the planet what you are actually capable of right yeah so. definitely uh, it's a it's a great i like to look at things globally step back and kind of that's what i learned through through yoga and through my teachers and swamis and people that i've studied under that you know step back and kind of look at the truth of it and and the real um, the reality of it, because when we get stuck in our heads, then we complain and, and the littlest things and we think we're the center of the universe, but really we're, we're just a small little speck there, but we've been given an opportunity to experience a, a conscious life. You know, I always say that a, a porcupine's a porcupine and um, a human has potential to just go like this. So when we, we get upset or, or we, we start to stress so much about our surroundings and why things aren't going the way we want them to, we create ceilings and then the potential isn't there. We, it cuts us off from, from enjoying and, and, and in being conscious and aware of a life that uh, was uh, given to us, gifted to us, really. You know? That's awesome. So to sum that one up, being grateful for the awareness that you have of this mm. gift of life. Yeah. Now, so Dan, what are three um, fun facts about yourself, if you will? Uh, this could be a quirk, a superpower, <laughs> some, two or three off the top of your head. Okay. 
Um, quirks or superpowers? <laughs> well, I can I can sit in cold water for a very long time now. Um, I've learned how to use uh, meditation and and certain um, ancient breath techniques to warm and heat my body up, so I can. I can do things that um, where we're told not to do when we were young, like, you know, to go out into the cold because you'll catch death, you know, you'll catch your death of a cold or, you know, don't, you know, don't go outside without a jacket. But I mean, yesterday, I was yesterday, yesterday, I went for a walk for an hour and the wind was just whipping in the snow. And, and I mean, I had no shirt on and, and a pair of shorts on. And, uh, you know, I was just trucking along a lot of cars slowing down to take a look. Actually, a couple were coming on the sidewalk towards me. They stepped off and crossed the road because <laughs> I think they thought I would have been, you know, a little bit crazy. But um, I always say that we're crazy about life. You know, Wim Hof is uh, one of my teachers and and he uh, he always says that, you know, people think he's crazy because of the stuff that we do and the, the world records that he's, you know, he's done. He's I think at one point he had 26 world records just relating to the cold and they always said, you know, it was always a lot of, you know, speculation and or, you know, a lot of um, people laughing at him, poking fun. And they said he was crazy. But, you know, he'd always say I'm crazy about life. Right. And, and I think he said it right was and what really, you know, what really interested me when I saw what he could do was that he talked about comfort and how we're always searching for comfort. And if we don't go to discomfort, we won't understand the deepest capabilities of our, our mind and our bodies, right? So yeah, some of the crazy stuff that I do are, you know, I'll go for a walk for a couple hours and it's minus 30 and, and the winds just hit me and the snow is driving and, and I just get into a zone where there's nothing and my mind's empty and it's so peaceful. And, uh, you know, except for when cars stop, I want to take a picture of you. <laughs> But uh, yeah, that's, I guess, one of, uh, not my superpowers. It's just something that I've, I've realized is that, you know, I got into a dark place when I was younger because I was always searching for the, the next thing, the next thing that would make me happy. And in between that, it was just about comfort and, you know, not, you know, facing things that we should be. You know, I always say unfavorably pushing things down and unfavorably they come up, you keep pushing them down. Well, eventually they're going to come up with a vengeance. So. That's one thing that I, I realized with Wim and, and I realized with yoga, yoga is the same thing. It, 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 you hold a posture and you have to focus on your breath, your mind and your body. And that's the trifecta. I mean, you connect those. That's when you start to realize the consciousness. And that's when I realized, I mean, those first few weeks at the ashram, when I got there, I was detoxifying off of a lot of medications and self-medications. So um, those first few weeks were extremely hard because it was discipline sitting around meditating for, you know, hours or doing four hours of yoga a day, uh, chanting, all this stuff that was so foreign to me that was such a, um, was such a different thing for me to experience. And, you know, I hung in there because I knew that I, I couldn't go back to the old way, right? So I think that's one of my, not less superpowers, but one of the things that I really, really hold um valuable in my life now is that when something seems um hard or it's uh something that's challenging me um instead of shying away like the analytical mind wants to i go i go right at it now and you know i get it done 
And the one thing I'm doing right now that I'm challenging myself with is technology of trying to learn, learn it. So, and I've always been one to shy away from it, but it's a, it's a little bit of a battle, but I'm, I'm, I'm starting to um, let go of the resistance, you know, mm -hmm. the resistance is where we feel the, the stress, you know, and uh, yeah, I think that's one of the superpowers. What's a quirky thing about me? Um, I like to, what do I do? I, I do all kinds of funny stuff. Um, you know, I, I, I'll chant, I'll sing, um, you know, uh, I'll dance. I mean, you know, I'll be like, I was just before I, I had my lunch today and I had music on and I'm just dancing around like nobody's watching. And I really find that's a, that's a real good stress relief when you can feel the music and dance around and have fun. Um, and I sing and uh, I, I can sing, but I can't sing that good. But uh, I just belt that out too. And, and I try not to have any, um, you know, any uh, worrying about what others think and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, I, I try to do things that, that uh, maybe sometimes put me out of my comfort zone. And then, then often they become so quirky and fun. Like when I'm in the shower in the morning, do, and I do a cold shower for 10 minutes every morning and they're cold now especially now we're in January and uh, like I put the music on, I'll play some really kind of nice chanting, some old Vedic kind of chants, um, yogic chants, really like 5,000 years old from the Vedas. And uh, I'll just be chanting in there. And uh, yeah, my wife's just laughing. She's like, you're having a good time. I say, yeah, you know, but uh, yeah, that's a quirky thing. Um, I don't know. I just, uh, I do a lot of weird stuff, man. <laughs> Yeah, I know that about you. And you know what? It's awesome because you did inspire me. Uh, when I first saw you go into the St. Lawrence River, now it was like the dead of winter. And for those of you who are listening, uh, we live in the southern part of Ontario in Canada. And in the winter, it's very cold. Uh, we'll get days down, uh, you know, minus 20 degrees celsius and yeah. the the river will be frozen on top and i would see dan i remember when he posted a video cutting a hole of ice and submerging himself into it and just staying there like basically meditating with like such stillness for minutes on end and it really just blew me away when I saw that. And then later on, I learned about, you know, the power of doing things like that and why they're so beneficial to our health and building up our immunity and resilience, which I, I we will have Dan touch on uh, more when we do get into that. But yes, like I agree with you, like I've been doing those things, uh, not to your extreme, but I do, I do the cold showers because I know they feel good. And like, you know, this is, that's the way I live life myself too, Dan, is when you are reluctant to do something, there's a hesitancy. You feel like I can't, or I don't want to. It's things that when you just go ahead and do them, afterwards you come out feeling so great. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the things you fear the most, if you just face them, you just feel like you conquered the world. And what a day. What a great way to start your day. Um, people like if you've never tried something for an example, like a cold shower, 
might not be your idea of a cup of tea, but you know, if you put yourself to the test, you develop that mental toughness and it just becomes a pleasure doing those hard things. So yeah, I can totally resonate with that. And um, hopefully uh, other people do as well. And hopefully, you know, they'll be more inspired by the end of this episode. So we're going to get into um, just share a little bit about your upbringing. Um, I'm not really sure. I know you're Spanish and did, did you grow up? Did you grow up in Spain or did, were you born uh, here? So just kind of touch on that, what it was like growing up and, you know, the life you led prior to your yo discovering yoga and getting into being a teacher and running a studio and uh, so sort of up to date where you're at right now. Well, actually, I was born here. Uh, my dad was Spanish when I was born and my mom was um, Canadian. So I was born actually in northern Ontario. My dad had uh, come here when he was young. I was well, he was in his, I think he was 19, 18, 19. And uh, ended up working his way up into uh, telecommunications um, business and uh, uh, for a company, Northern Tel and Nortel. And then I was up north, met my mom. And then uh, I happened. It happened to me that all of a sudden I was there. And then uh, I uh, moved down here to Brockville, where we are now, uh, when I was about six. And uh, I grew up here, went to the uh, high school here, uh, went to elementary school also here. Um, then went away in a little short stint uh, at university where I realized I didn't want to be in university yet. <laughs> and then came back here and, and tried college and realized that I, I didn't want to be in college yet either. Um, but uh, yeah, when I grew up, I was... Um, I was into sports big time. I played soccer competitively. I played um, hockey competitively. Um, and uh, I quit, I think most of those, I think I quit pretty much everything when I was about 14. Uh, and as I was already into martial arts for a couple of years and I decided martial arts was kind of the way I wanted to go. Um, I studied Shotokan, a real traditional form of karate uh, from Japan for about five years, um, you know, and, uh, I was a real skinny kid. I was really, really small. Um, I had a lot of panic, a lot of anxiety. Uh, my dad seen that in me and he was trying to make me tougher, but it was kind of working the, the wrong way. <laughs> it was making me even more anxious. Um, I was more the one with the soft heart. My other two brothers were the, were the tough ones kind of thing. So uh, yeah, I kind of grew up uh, nerdy and uh, just awkward and, and socially. I just, you know, I was always you know, I was trying to, yeah, I couldn't figure it out. I, I was really trying to figure out who I was and um, huge ego, but at the same time, very, um, I would almost go into, you know, freeze mode. There's fight, flight or freeze. And, and I'd be, I'd freeze, you know, any kind of confrontation and that. And um, yeah, so, you know, I, I grew up and, and then that kind of anxiety grew into more of an anger. And um, I started to you know, uh, I found uh, alcohol would would help with my anxiety when I you know turned about. I didn't really drink when I was in my teens until I was about 19. Um, most kids start a little bit early. And even then it was just it was just fun. You know, it was on the weekends. And then I found I started to drink a little bit more um, when uh, I came back from university. And uh, I, I found that it was that what was really helping me. And then I started to get into some drugs and the drugs I found were really good for helping me not be awkward and get rid of my anxiety. 
And uh, I held on to those, you know, for a few years. And then, then of course, like I said, you know, when you push something down unfavorably, like the anxiety and that, um, especially with drugs and alcohol, uh, they start to come out. And I was really having an issue. I, I started working for actually a, a company called 3M when I was about 23, 23 years old, I started there. And a great company, a uh, big multinational company and, you know, making good money. Um, uh, yeah, and I kind of started to, uh, you know, when I look back at it, I was, I was developing more um, ego, more anxiety and a lot more anger. And uh, the anger, you know, you, you feel rage and you think that you have clarity and you think that you're tough, especially as a guy, right? And I never had that toughness. I was always, like I said, the shy and the guy that would always kind of freeze away. And um, then I started to have back problems. And I know a lot of it had to do with stress. I was holding a lot of stress in my body. Um, and I was getting hurt a lot, trying to lift weights and play sports. And I kept hurting my back more and more. And then uh, actually I was off work for quite a while and um, I herniated some discs uh, and I was trying to go back to work and it wasn't working and, and uh, they weren't getting, you know, they were really good at the beginning, but then, you know, their business models, you know, they have a business model, it's about making money. And so, you know, I knew my time was coming there. So I started to kind of plan for something else and uh, yeah, I ended up uh, knew when I was kind of going to be leaving and I started to look up about uh, yoga and it was funny how I found yoga. Um, I was in Walmart getting my Oxycontin and uh, or hydromorphone, one of those things. And I was walking with a cane. So I looked like a question mark. I was hunched straight over and I looked like I was about 100 years old. And I was always buying DVDs because I'd be you know, hanging out just at my house, you know, medicating all the time. And uh, I saw this DVD and it had, it said uh, back care yoga and it had this couple in like their 60s, 70s on a chair. So it was chair yoga and I brought it home and I was kind of at my, at a place where, you know, there's gotta be something else. You know, I was starting to get depression. I was starting to get a lot of anxiety and they started to give me anxiety pills on top of the, all the other stuff depression and then all of a sudden I was sleeping all the time and then I couldn't sleep so they gave me um, insomnia stuff so I started doing this yoga and right away something happened and I just felt this like just energy goes through me and, and I felt this and there's this breathing stuff they had that we we're doing very simple breathing techniques and I went and slept you know and I was like wow you know and I just it was like an aha moment where I was like I think I'm going to do this because I always liked sports, you know, and the yoga was, you know, quite similar to karate because it's karate is a martial art. And it's I believe you went to Shotokan, too, weren't you? And did you take you took martial arts, did you not? Uh, yes, I took Shotokan karate myself yeah. in the traditional J Japanese style, uh, not 100 yeah. percent traditional, but very traditional. And yeah, I did yeah. take it for five years. Yeah, myself. yeah very and very technical right so i found the yoga moves all of a sudden were very similar in a way and then the breath thing and then the meditation which um i was studying zen buddhism even when i was 14 years old i had gichin funakoshi's memoirs and all of these things and it seemed to kind of tie and it was really easy for me to go there and all of a sudden my back started getting better and my pain was going away and i knew that there was something wrong 
And I started to look and say, well, what am I going to do with this? Like, maybe I'll become a teacher. And I looked it up. These people would have a teacher's training course at their, you know, house on the weekends once a month. And I, you know, I looked at that and I was like, and then I found this um, website for these, uh, the Shivananda. And it's, uh, they use the old Garukula system where you live with your guru and you stay at the ashram. And I looked at the itinerary, what each day looked like and scared the shit out of me because it was the opposite of what I was doing. I was sleeping all day and up all night and they had you up at five in the morning. And so I was like, you know what? I got to do this because I think it's helping me. And all the research I was looking at, it was saying how yoga is so good for your back. It's, you know, it's just as good or better than physio. And I read so many peer articles and reviews. So I ended up leaving 3M and I uh, packed up and went and lived at an ashram, um, lived there for a while until I was ready. And then um, I left, uh, had a little stint down in Mexico. I was trying to, um, I had a center down there but uh, I was in Acapulco and it was at the time the most dangerous city and we'd been going for years. My family had a house there and I bought the house from my grandpa and, and uh, the cartel and the violence got really bad and it started getting really bad. And I was like, and I was going back and forth. I was six months here in Canada, six months in Mexico. And I just decided things were going really well here. I'll just come back and uh, kind of uh, sold the house eventually. And I uh, started here and it just kind of grew and, and grew. And uh, yeah, I've been going down this path, um, learning about myself pretty much for the last 16, almost 17 years and uh, still got lots to learn. <laughs> Dan, that is incredible. Like you came such a long way in what you're able to do now uh, with your body and with how yoga has helped you is just very obvious uh, when you see Dan. And one of the things that actually surprised me is when you mentioned always being that small, skinny guy, and though you're very slender build, you're, you're quite toned, but you're, you're, you got to be at least six feet tall. So I got thinking, you know, I'm, I'm five and a half feet tall and I get thinking, well, did yoga really help posture you up quite a bit? And you grew, there is a study. you know, extended a few inches. Yeah. So yeah. There's a study that's after six weeks of yoga, I think you're about a centimeter taller, but that's just because you're standing up pretty much straighter. That's all. But I actually, I, I didn't grow when I, I remember, I think I remember I, was, I went into grade nine at, at 89 pounds and five foot six. So I had like, my legs were like toothpicks and I was so skinny. I got stuffed in lockers all the time because I was so small, they could put me in there. They just see me, grab me and just put me in. <laughs> and, uh, and then it was when I was about 18, I turned 18 and all of a sudden I just went, I think I, I grew so much, my knees, like my knees were so bad. I couldn't sit in a car for more than, you know, if I was in a car, when we'd go up north for like five, six hours to go back and see the family, oh my God, I would have to crack my knees and just straighten my legs and a lot of pain, stomach pain too. Um, the body just, it grew so fast, you know, and I, I shot from like five foot, I don't know, eight, I probably was around there. I only grew a couple inches over high school to all, you know, till uh, uh, another six inches. So I grew up to, I was over a little over six foot two, I think when they measured me. 
I'm probably not that now after my herniated discs, but all that yoga might've got me back up there a little, <laughs> but yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I, I had a late spurt big time. Talk about growing pains, Dan. Oh, yeah. So yeah, <laughs> yoga pain. obviously did help with your posture and I've experienced a lot of these benefits myself being a yoga practitioner. And although I'm still five foot six myself, uh, I, I know I gained a couple of inches, but mostly I believe it was just postural uh, alignment. Like I corrected that and through yoga, so yeah. I stand taller. So I, I, I appear taller, but anyways, Dan, so where you're at running your business now, you've had a lot of different students um, come and go, but you have a lot of loyal students as well, which is awesome. So just kind of um, share briefly about your experience instructing over the years and your students and seeing them evolve. Yeah, I, I kept, like when I came back, um, like I was very uh, into the discipline and the tradition. So I, I really studied Sanskrit when I was there and um, the Vedas and um, very difficult language, but I really fell in love with the chanting and, and the language. So, you know, I, I remember, you know, my first few classes, I would, I would chant, you know, at the beginning of the class, a full prayer. And I think people either were scared shitless of it, or they were just like, what the hell's that? And then I, I, I would go through, um, and it was Himalayan yoga that I learned that I actually taught you in the teacher's training also that that is is that pretty much comes from um, the Himalayas, the birth of yoga in Rishikesh, where the Shivananda's, um, you know, their, their ashram is where it all began, and they have them all over the world now. Um, but what I learned was an extremely disciplined style, and you're focused on the breath, the, the actual practice, you know, there's no mirrors, there's no loud music. I mean, maybe in the hot class, when you come in, I, I kind of westernize that one a little bit, but it was very much tradition and, and either people loved it or they were, you know, they just ran away, you know, cause they were like, whoa, cause I, you know, you had to sit there in between the postures and I make you come back to your breathing. Um, there's breath work at the beginning after the, the opening prayer. Um, people didn't like that either, but the people that, that did it and, and liked it, they knew the value in it and what it would do. And it's a very meditative practice. And, and the way the actual practice is structured is, is brilliant. It's a science and it's a science that, you know, I mean, I, I hobbled into the ashram with a cane and in a couple of weeks I was playing soccer again and I was in bed for two years. So that has, that's testament right there. And that's when I went and I remember playing volleyball with, with the Swami. He loved playing volleyball. He'd get everybody come running out after we ate. And um, he, uh, I remember we were playing and he goes, look at your back. And I said, yeah, man. I said, I'm going to teach everybody this shit <laughs> like this. Cause it's like it, my depression was gone away. Not, not totally. Um, but I mean, I was, I was feeling pretty good there, you know, 98% better than I was. And uh, anxiety was down and, and, you know, I still had a lot of work to do on the inside. And, you know, he told me that when I left, 
you know, that, you know, never stop learning, keep going. Cause you know, this is just the beginning kind of thing. And, and, you know, so when I came back to teach, I taught exactly what they told me to. And they even said, they said, don't deviate from the process. It works. And, you know, I've gone off and, and learned how to, you know, I mean, I, I went off and learned Bikram and uh, Ashtanga and, and Vinyasa flow and Iyengar and Yin. And I mean, I took, I would take one study of, of practice and I would do it for a year, like almost every day so that I knew it. And I'd spend thousands of hours on that practice just so I could get it right. Cause I read the outliers book uh, McDowell and, and I mean, you know, the 10,000 hour rule, I was like, Oh, I'm going to do that too. You know, 10,000 hours. And, and you, they, they, they say you're a so-called master or, you know, you become a, um, you, uh, you take your craft to the next level. You become, you know, that good at it. So, you know, I remember the first two years when I came back, man, I was teaching 40, 50 hours a week. I was teaching sometimes five classes a day. And I'd get home at night, I'd eat and bang, but I'd wake up, I'd jump up, go, let's do this again. And some classes were for free. Some I was paying, making a little bit of money. And then it just started to grow. And then I decided to get an apartment because I was teaching at all the gyms, the Y, YMCA. Um, I was teaching at a physiotherapy clinic. Um, the classes were filling right up and I thought, well, why don't I just get a big apartment? And then I started to fill that apartment up and adding more classes. I stopped teaching at the other places. Um, and then I had to get a new apartment and that apartment was filling up. And then I went out and found a commercial building and then that filled up. And then now we're at the center that you, uh, you know me at now. So that's, uh, where it kind of evolved like that. And, and I have, I have students that have been doing it since I come back like Dixie Logie and Rena Colby and God, there's so many of them. I mean, my mom, and, uh, I mean, there's, uh, so many Richard Bodeway and all of these guys that that started practicing with me when I came back and they still come they still come like you know religiously um you know every week some of them two sometimes three times a week and you know I have students that come in that you know have issues with their back so you know that's what I really worked on a lot I work on a lot with rehab with uh, athletes um some high level athletes you know I work with Clark Flynn um, he's an Olympic trainer, um, uh, Olympic therapist right now for, uh, I think the bobsled team. And he's, uh, you know, a, a, a massage therapist now he's a myofascial guy. He does soft tissue. And I mean, his clients are Puff Daddy and Jennifer Aniston and, you know, some of the best athletes in the world. So, you know, I really, once I, when I met Clark and he loved what I did cause he was getting into the yoga from the weights and all that and we combined it and we started to work together and and uh you know he uh he's been a very integral part about you know me getting into that that part that world because i was more or less just in the yoga world and then i started to kind of branch out and realize there's there's a lot of other stuff that can apply to it right and then uh yeah so it's it's pretty amazing uh you know, I had like I'm doing virtual now out of the house because, you know, the studios, the studios closed down again for the second shutdown. And uh, yeah, some of the people that are on there, I, you know, I, I see them again and again. I mean, and I've seen them for 15, 16 years. So but it's uh, it's been quite a ride. It's been awesome. Yeah, that is really incredible, Dan. Now, uh, before we get into a bit 
of the uh, Wim Hof stuff, I want you just to touch on a little bit about um, you've been going into uh, high schools and kind of teaching on some some of the uh, leisure hours, if you will, helping actually helping uh, kids just control their mind better with meditative mindfulness techniques and stuff like that, because it's evident and how much you see and I see, we all see like kids attention span is terrible these days with technology, all this stimulation, we're getting bombarded with it. And you just see how weak their attention span really is. So what's that been like? And, and, And what kind of, what do you do when you go into these schools and, you know, what's it like working with these kids and how have you seen it just impact them? Yeah, I, I, I kind of, I started doing that a long time ago, actually. Um, and I, I wanted to do it because, I mean, I know what I went through in high school. I mean, I didn't really learn too much. I don't know how I got through it because I had so much anxiety, you know, and math was just like, you know, it was so foreign to me and stuff. So when I, I started going into the schools, I really, I really wanted to make an impact there because I, I know a lot of them go through what I was going through. And like you said, now in this day and age, the kids have even more pressure. Um, you know, they're on their electronics all the time. Um, depression, anxiety, even suicide is like this. I mean, it's just taken off in the last few years. And, you know, it's, it's, it comes from not being able to process. There's so much so, social anxiety is not being able to process the information that's around them at that time, you know, and in, in, in a social setting, that's, that's what I felt. And it was so hard to be around people. And man, that's what you want to be is around people and connect with them. Humans are beautiful, right? But of course, you know, in high school, there's could be some pretty mean ones out there. Um, but it, I kind of made it my mission, you know, between that and the prisons, actually, because I really wanted to go into the prisons because, you know, I was a pretty badass for a while there when I was drinking and doing all my stuff that I'm surprised that, you know, I'm very lucky I didn't get there. So, you know, I, I made it the, those two places where I wanted to really kind of reach out and, and, and give these tools that, that helped save me, really. I believe it saved me um, and, you know, helped me survive, you know, and then I really believe the Wim Hof method really healed me. But. Um, and I'm still healing, but the kids, the kids are awesome. Cause you know, you know, I walk in there and I like, I, I do a lot of motivational stuff. So I learned one thing going in and is that you got to kind of stimulate them. You got to get them to, to jump beyond board with it. Right. Cause if you go in there monotone and eh, they're just gonna goof off, make farting sounds or whatever. And I mean, and I experienced that anyways, cause there's always the class clown, but I always find that, that, I act like such a big kid with them and make them feel so welcome. And, and I act goofy and, you know, I make it like I'm vulnerable also. And I talk of, I say, you know, I went to the, when I go to the same high school, I say, you know, my locker was over there. And I was put in that locker. I said, I had anxiety, I had depression and they kind of just, you know, look up and um, you know, the programs I've given to the teachers there also and the students. And, you know, it's amazing when the teachers will come up and go, wow, like, you know, the kids seem like they're so different when they come back after recess, because I was doing one program where it was recess, it was voluntary, you know, and I'd have 20, sometimes 30 kids in there. And that's pretty good. You know, they could be outside, you know, messing around with their friends. But I would get a lot of the kids that were 
awkward and, and maybe, you know, having issues being in a social setting. So I really, I really love that. And I really, I find that I really connected with the kids because there was something in common there, you know, and yeah, it's, it's been great. And I, I've taught at daycares where they're like three and four and five years old. And, you know, I've learned from experiences, you just make it fun because, you know, I've, you know, I've heard it many times too from teachers is make sure yoga is fun. It's not always just discipline. You know, I believe the discipline was necessary for me because I really had to cut an ego in half. It was huge. Um, but it needs to also be fun. It can't just be, you know, a work, a job. I mean, you work hard at it. You know, like today I did Bikram routine this morning at 5 a.m. when I got up. And, and that's one hell of a hard routine, you know, and I challenge myself with it, you know, and it's, it's fun as you get better at it. At the beginning, it can be a little bit taxing, but you know, with the kids, I want it to be fun for them, but I also want them to understand that they can have discipline and that, that you know, I teach them breath work and the teachers are right there in the room going, what the, f they're all like laid out, quiet, calm. I'll bring in the singing bowls or something, you know, that really gets them. I'll tell them they're magic bowls, you know, if they're young enough. And then, you know, I, I just kind of reach out to the kids and make them feel something that, you know, they don't get to feel all the time. And that's to be in such a free, free environment. And when we do breath work from kids that are five years old to 10 to teenagers that are suffering from anxiety, you know, I'll tell you one story. I was teaching at TIS and when I was teaching there, that's my high school I went to and they, uh, they, I told them about a, a program in, in Baltimore where they were, it was a mindfulness program instead of detention. So kids that got detention had to go and learn mindfulness, breathing and meditation. Well, anyways, there's like, there's no more detention. Like the place is amazing. The story is incredible. What happened to some of these and a lot of inner city kids, right? So I told them about this and the principal was there and he said, well, he says, I'm going to start sending you some kids that are on detention. So they'd come in. And I remember always when a kid would get a detention, he'd always bring his two or three buddies with him, you know, make sure he felt comfortable. So he'd come in and they'd always be, you know, standoffish and look at this, you know, funny looking guy with big beard, dressed probably in whatever I was wearing, you know, and I remember the one kid, he was, he was pretty hard nosed and he's in, he was in trouble a lot. He was in there a lot after that, that first time I met him. And I remember him leaving and the one kid said to him, his friend, and they were ahead of me walking. And he said, he said, dude, he says, he says, you think we're going to come back here? And he says, and his exact words were fucking right. <laughs> and he's like 13 to 12 years old. And I laughed and he goes, this is the first time I didn't have to deal with all the shit in my head. And I was like, wow, that's awesome. That's a win. So I went and told the teacher and, and I didn't tell him who it was. And, and he kind of, I think knew, but he goes, who was that? And I said, I ain't telling you, you know, so it, it, it's really neat that you have those. And I would have one of those kids from detention come in and then be there the whole year and never miss one unless they were sick or something. But uh, yeah, it's that in prisons are about the most rewarding I've ever seen, because in prisons, I always look at them as, you know, 
a lot of them never had a chance. You know, some of them have been born alcohol fetal syndrome, beaten, raped when they're a kid. And then, you know, I mean, they never had a chance. So when I get in there, I can give them also um, that sense of, you know, a little bit of freedom, you know, and not feel that bullying all the time. Cause that's sometimes what happens in there with the guards. The funny, I'll tell you something, the only trouble I ever had in prison and I've been teaching there for 15 years is with the guards, never with an inmate, not once. Very interesting, Dan. And I forgot, yes, yeah. you, you did, you did go into the prison um, just like you, you do in the schools. And you're not only helping the kids in school be better students, you're, but because they're becoming better students by being more mentally disciplined and controlled and centered, that makes the teacher's job easier too. So it really just ripples that way. Uh, now, Dan, um, I'd like you to just share in where you discovered um, the Wim Hof method and uh, with cold, you know, cold water immersion and, and these deep breathing techniques that you, you've taught at your studio, which are amazing. So share with me your just getting into that and uh, just share briefly about your experience. Um, I know you've been on a few excursions with Wim Hof himself. Uh, yeah, just share a little bit about that. Well, I, I found the Wim Hof method actually when it was a pretty bad, dark time. My, my uh, future wife at the time I, I we were engaged was uh, battling cancer for the second time. And uh, my dad was actually stage four lung cancer. And uh, he only had like a short time, uh, about a year after we found out before he passed. And uh, when he passed and, you know, my wife, we found out she got cancer for like the third time. And I ran out the next day to play soccer just to run because I wanted to run after uh, my dad's celebration, about a week after his passing. And then we just found out my wife was sick again and I tore my Achilles. So it was like the trifecta. And I was looking up going, really? Like, what did I do? You know, kind of thing. So I went into a little bit of a deep, you know, depression and some anxiety. And I started to have a few pints, started to smoke some weed again. And uh, I found that that was, you know, comforting because it was, you know, but then I realized I was like, yeah, this is what I did before, but I'd never really been, you know, introduced to mortality at that level. And uh, I actually got cancer myself. And I always say it was just, uh, it wasn't the bad cancer, it was skin cancer, but it still wasn't the good skin cancer. But I always said to myself, I, you know, when they told me, they said, it's not the good kind, you got to do that. I had to do some chemo stuff and all this. And I was like, yeah, it's okay. It's just skin cancer. And they kept saying, it's not just skin cancer. And I said, yeah, it's just skin cancer. So my mindset, I wasn't going to let it in. But it was before that and after the three trifectas there, the Achilles and my wife and uh, my dad, that my uh, massage therapist, uh, he, one of them, the Shiatsu guy that was working at the center said, you got to look at this Wim Hof guy, you know, you do uh, breathing. And I actually did cold showers at the time because it would always just, just a blast, like 20 seconds. Whoo. And then I jump out and I knew it always made me go and I was alive, you know, a little adrenaline. I could feel it. So uh, I'm bouncing around on my calf, you know, or on my cast with my one leg. And, uh, you know, I, by chance, I, I pulled him up on the he came up on the, the YouTube and it was superhumans. And I was looking at all these guys like hanging from hooks with skin in their back and 
doing weird shit that I thought, yeah, that's just crazy. But then I saw him swimming under the polar ice cap for like world record, climbing Everest to 21,000 feet, the death zone just past it. Um, Kilimanjaro, he climbed in shorts within less than two days. Um, he ran a marathon in the polar circle in his bare feet and shorts. And I thought, holy shit, this guy, but he was using this Tumo they were talking about. And I knew about Tumo meditation. The monks used it to dry um, ice sheets on their back. They were able to, you know, heat their body up like 12 degrees. Um, and, and I thought, well, okay, this guy's got, there's, that's superhuman to me. So I looked into it a little deeper and I found this breath work and I looked at it and went, wow, the breath works kind of similar to Bastrika. He's just kind of tweaked it. He's breathing through the mouth, which we're kind of not supposed to only in certain pranayamas. And I was like, okay, well, I gave it a shot. And I was like, holy shit. And I was just like lit right up. And I was like, wow. And then I ran home, put the bag on my cast and I jumped in the cold shower and it was cold. And then I got out and I just cried and I cried and I cried and it was like this emotional release. And I was like, holy shit. So I told my wife and then she did it and she had some amazing effects, especially through chemo and her blood counts and stuff that, you know, were amazing to show. And I started looking into it about the immune system and how good it is and all this stuff. And then I just turned to my wife and said, I got to go and meet this guy. I got to, there's a teacher's training course. Like I can become a Wim Hof instructor. So um, I practiced and um, studied it more and more and signed up. And then I went to LA about four years ago, four or five years ago. And uh, I met Wim and took the, took the course there, the first module. And uh, was there in, uh, in LA, that's a, that's a crazy city. I like the beach, but I didn't like the driving. There's a lot of traffic there. <laughs> and. Uh, then I was glad the second uh, module, the master's module, when we were finishing everything off, was in Oregon. And it was just outside Portland in Mount Hood we were on. And oh my God, what a beautiful place Oregon is. It's just mountains and lakes and just, anyways, just beautiful. And, and um, studied there um, with about 50 other fellas that were getting trained from all over the world. Um, from Navy SEALs to Army uh, to Marines to another yoga teacher that I met who was actually in my, in my cabin. There was, I think, nine of us. And there was another guy in our cabin named Dan that taught yoga from Toronto, which was really funny. Super cool guy, Dan Cogliano. And uh, then we have Brad Carson, who's a Marine. And, and uh, yeah, it, it, was, it was such a dynamic. And there was a software programmer uh, some host parks and um, anyways so I met all these really cool cats and you know some pretty big guys that do some pretty amazing things MMA fighter and and you know jujitsu and and all this common ground and 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 then Wim shows up and it was just this amazing again it's like Wim can just take you to another level and get you to do things you never thought was possible you know, and, and we're learning how to teach it, you know, and, um, you know, Wim was, you know, I think he's instrumental in, in allowing me to, you know, kind of even push further out of my comfort zone to dig a little deeper and to realize, you know, the capability of the human potential that I have, right? I mean, there's, there's a lot in there and the ego can get in the way because I started to get popular to teaching yoga and 
lots of people coming and you know, I was teaching, you know, like we, we don't live in a big town, 20 some thousand and in a week I'd be teaching 400 people, you know, so it had, a, you know, a few thousand students. So I found too, I started to, you know, become popular and, and then moving that way. And then I, I really found with Wim, you know, he made you realize where you are in this moment. And that's what the method does. And you know, I, I trained, I trained my ass off when I was going to see him just, you know, to make sure that I could do it. And, uh, you know, it, it was a, it was probably one of the most beautiful experiences when we finished training. And then I got to go on and um, I got picked to assist him in um, Poland. So I was over in Europe uh, at the beginning of the pandemic. I was there in Europe for a few weeks um, in uh, February the end of February too. So, but it was funny. I was flying around Turkey and all that. And I mean, there's a lot of Chinese people and a lot of Asian people and they're all coughing with masks on and I'm in the plane doing this <sighs> breathing. And uh, yeah, yeah. And, and that was, that was a really wicked experience. I got to work with a group of 25 out of the hundred people. Um, they had me teaching a lot of the science to the group because I kind of nerded out in science. I really went in deep to that because I really loved understanding what the method actually does on a physiological level. But I got to work with a lot of guys in, in my, my, out of my 25 were special forces from Australia. Um, guys, there was one guy there that um, was in uh, Interpol that had been kidnapped by a terrorist cell and was tortured for like months. So there was this crazy dynamic. And then you had, you know, you had hippies there and you had, <laughs> had everybody there. And, uh, you know, you got to teach people this method and watch them just emotionally release. And uh, Poland's beautiful, man. I really enjoyed Poland. I love Czech Republic. Prague, if you ever get a chance, oh my God. It's, it's probably the most beautiful city I've ever seen in my life. They love beer there. <laughs> wow. Dan, that is, yeah, it's really incredible, honestly. Um, the things you have done and, and, and really, like you said, I think what you were doing was crazy before meeting Wim Hof, he took you to another level. There's no doubt about it. Um, yeah. and, and again, for those of you who aren't familiar with Wim Hof, uh, he holds many, um, cold water and ice records and he doesn't do this for, um, publicity as a publicity stunner to get exposure. Although that does just naturally come. He did, he did do that at the beginning, but he did that to get noticed. And then he said to the science community, he said, come on, I know what I'm doing here and check mm -hmm. this out, no speculation. And then that's when it became really popular. And now he doesn't do records or anything like that. Now he's just um, a voice of this Wim Hof method. I mean, his method, but you know, he, he said he did that. He goes, he did those records so people would say, okay, there's a human doing things that should not be possible. How's he doing that? And it's three things. It's, you know, breathing, breath work, cold exposure, and the most powerful that comes from those two that you really have to realize it envelops it all is the mindset, you know? And now, like you say, he's just an ambassador. I mean, he's has so many different um, studies going on. He finished a bunch just before COVID. There was supposed to be a bunch more done, which had to be put on, on the back burner. Um, yeah, I was supposed to meet him again down in um, the Grand Canyon. We were going to have a party there, um, our annual reunion with the instructors, which is always a lot of fun. Um, crazy bunch of cats from all over the world. 
But uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing him again. But uh, right now, everything's uh, kind of slowed down. But it's it's gonna come again. And, and I have people emailing me so much wanting workshops and private workshops. And I've been working with corporations, uh, do a lot of corporate stuff, but everything's kind of shut down, right? So, you know, they're waiting. And I think when this opens up, it's gonna be a frenzy because people I think are really gonna embrace wellness, you know, and this is one thing that brings a lot of wellness. Absolutely, Dan, no doubt about it. Um, mindfulness meditation with the yoga and the Wim Hof method with the breathing and cold water, all that stuff has been a game changer for me personally. And I believe it's set me up to be in a great um, position for this pandemic because I, I do not fear it for myself at all. But I know there's so many people out there who are struggling. And if you're curious to know more about these techniques, you can look up the Wim Hof method. You can look him up on YouTube and he shares good yeah. uh, short tutorials, but also Dan being a, and is a certified instructor himself also does this um, through, like he mentioned, his virtual um, meetings that you can actually attend. And because, because of technology, um, you know, you don't have to be local. You can just tune in and which is, which is such a beautiful thing, but I'm, we're going to wrap this up here in a few minutes. Um, I just want to ask, uh, just share briefly, Dan, what is your message to people, especially in these changing times with all this uncertainty, that people are, are fear, fearful for their health, their finances, and all these things, their, their, you know, their mental health? What's your message to people right now? Well, I guess the message would be what I'm telling myself, um, that, you know, our external surroundings shouldn't affect the reality that's on the inside. And when we let the things on the outside, the stressors that we see them as, and we see them as so much stress because we see any kind of, we've, we've you know, and, and I think Wim says it, and, and, I, and I kind of, uh, I don't know if I'll butcher it, but he says more or less is that we become so successful at being comfortable and reaching for comfort and always turning to comfort that we're being unsuccessful at being human. And being human is, is, is amazing and superhuman they say, and we like to, I like to say, it's just should be super to be human. It should feel super to be human. And like you said, you, you've got some tools during the pandemic. And I mean, you know, it's been stressful for me. I mean, I mean, my business is shut down and you know, money's all of a sudden not there. Now I had to shift online and, and you know, and I'm starting to work that in and it's starting to come around, which is great, but you know, if what we do is we outsource our happiness and we can't do that. And when we outsource our happiness, we're saying, you know, the world has to be this way. My wife, my kids, my boss, my neighbor, the city, um, everything's got to go this way. So I'll be happy. And see, that's making happiness a result. And when we do that and we make it a result, then we're, we're setting ourselves up for suffering, you know, and we're gonna get that result sometimes. And, and when we don't, we're gonna be down here. When we get it, we're gonna go back up here, down. So, you know, when we search for and desire that happiness all the time, we forget about what's going on on the inside, you know? And instead of organizing everybody around you and everything outside of you and trying to make it go the way you want it to, 
It's never going to go that way. We can only organize what we got inside here. And we have this innate intelligence, man. We are the most, we are the most technologically advanced thing on the planet with this nervous system, the cellular machine, this brain, this consciousness that we have, but we're upgrading the tablets and the phones and all of this, we're, we're putting more of our time and energy in that to be distracted. And we need to turn inward because this distraction, and I mean, it's, I mean, there's got behind this, behind a screen, when you're looking at your Facebook feed or Instagram, there's a thousand engineers behind there trying to keep you on there. That's why they write the algorithms. That's why the more time you spend on there, it's more advertising dollars. So I work with people and coach them. They tell me sometimes they're on their phone two, three, four hours a day and watching news and watching all this negative stuff. And they don't realize that that's what they're putting on the inside. So they're creating anxiety and fear. And when we have anxiety and fear inside, that's the only thing you can give away. You can't give away love, which is really, that's the secret of the universe is to love everybody. You know, we create boundaries, we create borders. You're hearing about polarization, you know, and you see it in the States with the government and you see it up here with stuff. And, you know, it's like, pick this side, pick this side. And the media wants you to be, wants their enemy to be your enemy. And you're like, it's confusing, but we still see people just being absorbed by it and see that's where it's on the outside. And then we want everything to be a certain way and it's never gonna be that way. And when we're on the outside outsourcing our happiness so much in that way, and we're just distracting ourselves when we don't deal with the shit we should be dealing with, it's easy to grab my phone and you know, scroll instead of, you know, cause remember when you used to go to the grocery store or at the bank and you had to actually sit there and wait? <laughs> now you're like, what's my stocks doing? Uh, what's going on on Facebook? Oh my God, there's a video, you know, of a squirrel on a, a, a water skiing on a, on a whatever. It's just, it's nonstop. There's so much information that's useless and it's untrustworthy and we're hooked. And that's one thing that I, I, I've been doing with myself is realize, like you said, these methods, I'm in my sauna every day. I do my yoga every day. I do my ice bath every day. I get out, I do some work, you know, at the end of the day, I've done, I, I've gotten into just a new routine. You know, when we're out of our routine, that's where people are really struggling right now. And, you know, a lot of people are turning to alcohol and, and drugs. Um, and a lot of my clients, they'll tell me, they don't tell me at the beginning, they usually, you know, a little white lie, but then they'll tell me what they're doing by the end of the, the session. You know, that one glass of wine a night turned into almost a bottle every night, you know, and, you know, that's where we don't want to face it. And when we're faced with a, a discomfort like the pandemic, having to be at home, well, I've shifted my whole basement into a studio. I've gotten all of this gear. I've gotten this electronic stuff. And I knew I had to pivot. And if I didn't, I could just lay around and distract myself you know, get some money from the government, which was great. But I, I really re just realized that I have to, I have to go again, you know, I have to pivot and go around it. If there's something stopping me, I can't just butt heads with it. You know, I have to realize that discomfort's going to come. 
and this comes and ties into what you said at the beginning is realization is when we start to become self-realized, we actually just start to observe ourselves and our habits and our behaviors because we're a cellular machine that's just, we, we form habits. And if we get stuck in a habit, sometimes it takes a little bit of heat to get out of that. And you need to be able to create a new one, a new routine. And, you know, that's what I think people have to realize right now is that there's too much comfort. There's too much to distract you. There's too much to take, you know, whether it's drugs, alcohol, the media, um, Netflix all day long, you know, sex, porn, all of this stuff is there to just distract you and make you go into autopilot. But when you start to realize and you step back and see yourself and you go, okay, that's not serving me. That's not, let's change this up. And I think we have to realize that, um, you know, to understand the deeper capabilities of this wicked thing that we are, that we, we need to be able to see it. We need to be able to observe it. And when something hits us and we get that feeling inside, that's the first sign to go, okay, let me see, what should I do here? So, you know, I think it's just being aware. I totally, totally agree, Dan. Honestly, um, I think of three things here is developing our own self-awareness and becoming adaptable to these changing environments and becoming resilient, right? Yep. The stronger we get physically, mentally, emotionally, mm -hmm. we're better able to thrive in these these waves of an ocean so to speak times and so yes the media it's very distractive and very addictive and when we outsource our happiness by searching the outside world for that that's where we lose our that's where we lose control but you're saying turn inward mm -hmm. and start to govern yourself and when you do that you gain back a sense of personal power and you feel more empowered to take control of your life. And then, which I believe you really start to live into your true potential. Yeah. Well, that's why you do that. If you take a cold shower first thing in the morning, you freeze your ass off and you get through that. Well, the rest of the day is okay. Exactly. <laughs> yep. I, that's, that's just my, what, how I go about it recently. And it, and it really does help makes you feel awesome. better about your day anything like working out, doing something right, make yeah. is a good way to start your day off for sure. Yeah. So Dan, yeah, wrapping this up here, um, where can people find you if, you know, if they want you to look you up on social media? Um, well, I'm on onlineyoga.ca, which is um, my coaching platform. And uh, we just launched that a little while ago, actually just recently, because uh, I've been doing that a lot. So I, I want to have a, a place where people can land for that. Um, and then subramaniyoga.com. Um, I mean, all the information's on there for the virtual classes because I'm doing a lot of virtual stuff. But uh, also Subramania Yoga Center um, Facebook page is where I'm on there like two, three, sometimes more because of the pandemic gives me some time um, doing yoga classes. Today I taught about um, some breath work, some physiology stuff, um, CO2 tolerance and that kind of thing, how to measure your stress. Uh, so I try to give a lot of good information. Um, Tuesdays and Thursdays, we do breath work normally, um, live and free. Um, uh, I also post my courses. Like this weekend, we have a course, uh, meditation course that I'm giving. 
And uh, it's a two hour workshop. And then we meditate every uh, morning for uh, 20 minutes through Zoom, through this platform here. So, you know, there's, uh, yeah, you can find me on that. I mean, on Instagram also, I'm on the gram. Uh, it's at uh, Dan underscore D-E-L-U-I-S. And you'll see me doing all kinds of weird shit on there. <laughs> uh, you know, half naked walking around in the blizzard or, you know, hanging out in the river and the ice or doing something or doing some weird pose, you know. So, yeah, you can find me on the gram. But, uh, yeah, so, yeah, onlineyoga.ca, subramanyoga.com. And, and on the Instagram, you can find me there. Awesome, Dan. Well, this has been a very good educational inspiring episode and thank you for your time for uh, being a guest on the show and i'm sure uh, people uh, listening to this got a lot out of this that's going to be a valuable that they can start well, thanks for in, having me my man that's been awesome thank you so much and uh yeah good luck to everybody out there you know we'll get through this stuff absolutely all right so thank you dan and perhaps we'll have him on again um, for another session in the future so that is it for the show. Uh, thank you for tuning in. And so everybody out there, stay strong, stay well, and get into a limitless mindset. Because 2021 is yours if you choose to. Take care, everybody. First.